How many of you have seen the movie Up? Pixar movie? Quite a few of you, right? As far as animated movies go, that's one of my, that's one of my favorites. And my favorite character in there is Doug. Doug the talking dog who, uh, who becomes the, the little boy's best friend and his companion on the quest that they take. Uh, and what is Doug best known for in that film? Probably a clip you've seen hundreds and hundreds of times, right? It's his propensity for being distracted. Right, he'll be in the middle of a, a really deep conversation, making a really important point, and then all of a sudden he whips his head around and goes, squirrel. Right? He totally loses focus on the very important thing that he is talking about, and all he can think about is that squirrel. Well, Andy says that I'm a lot like Doug. Um, not just because we share a name, though spelled a little bit differently, but because I am given to to being very easily distracted, right? We'll be in a car having a great conversation, driving along the road, and all of a sudden I will rubberneck because I see some boat or a motorcycle or a truck that I think I should buy, totally at the expense of everything important that Andy and I were just talking about. I am so easily distracted. Whether you have Doug the Dog syndrome like I do or not, I think you would all agree that it's pretty easy to become distracted in this life. I mean, just think about the last time you sat down in your home office to, with a full of resolve to get some work done. But first you check your email, and checking your email leads to you Googling something, and all of a sudden, two hours later, you're in one of those YouTube black holes, watching a video that had nothing to do with the first thing that you Googled in the first place, and still, two hours later, you have no work done. You and I are so easily distracted. But it doesn't even have to be with things with work, it can be with family, too. Think about the last time you spent, or you sat down on the couch with somebody who is close to you to stream one of your favorite shows. You turn the show on, but then all of a sudden you look around and your significant other is reading something on their iPad while you're checking something on Instagram while somebody else is watching something on TikTok. Meanwhile, the show is playing in the background and nobody is paying attention to it at all. It is so easy for us and there is so much in this life that causes us to be distracted. But it's not just in life that we get distracted. Did you know that there's such a thing as being spiritually distracted? Right? Because there's so much stuff that is vying for our attention in this world, it's easy for us to lose focus on what is most important. Let me just think about it. We've got, some of us have families. Some of us are married. We have jobs and careers and hobbies and got to keep the house clean and so many other things. We spread ourselves so thin trying to get all of this stuff done that we get distracted from the one thing in life that is actually needful, for the one thing that is most important in our life, Jesus. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here, because all of those things that I just listed, family and hobbies and career and friends and even chores around the house, those are blessings from God. They are things that God wants us to enjoy, that God wants us to put our heart into, that God wants us to make use of, but these are also the very things, these blessings from God that can so easily become distractions when we spread ourselves thin. They can become the things that cause us to lose focus on Jesus. And when your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus, do you know what we are more susceptible to? We're more susceptible to temptations. And when temptations arise and your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus, these temptations that you were once able to so easily thwart away because your thoughts were fixed on Jesus now become things that turn into sinful actions. Like those pictures and those videos that you once were able to, to stay away from on the internet because your thoughts were fixed on Jesus, they become sites and videos and pictures that are so easy to go to because you're distracted. Or those words 
that never even really welled up in your heart and you never even spoke to your significant other because your thoughts were fixed on Jesus all of a sudden become thoughts and words, hateful words that come spewing out of your mouth when you're distracted. Or even just think of what we're doing here on a Sunday morning. It's easy when your thoughts are fixed on Jesus to devote an hour or two to Jesus on a Sunday morning, but then, well, then life gets busy and you get tired and you get spread thin and your thoughts aren't focused on Jesus. And then it becomes very easy to take those hour or two on a Sunday morning and turn it into an hour or two extra of sleep so that you'll be better and more prepared for the week to come. And these are largely internal battles that we fight. What about when you're distracted, when your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus and an external problem arises? What happens then? What happens when a doctor gives you a diagnosis that you weren't expecting? Or there's a blow up in your marriage or, or with a friend with whom you were once inseparable or when like the recipient of the letter to the Hebrews, when you're attacked for the faith that you profess, what happens when those problems arise and your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus? I mean, I can promise you because God promises you that these problems will arise if they never have in your life because we live in a world that is sinful. And, we all, and Jesus also promises that those who follow him will have their lives marked by the cross. In other words, that they will suffer hardships for the things that they believe and for the one that they follow. So what happens when those problems arise and you're not fixed on Jesus? Your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus. Well, there's a good chance, and I speak from experience, that when those problems come, there's a, you're likely to turn to someone else to help you fix that problem. When your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus, Jesus isn't the first person that you turn to in prayer to help you solve your problem, but rather you're more likely to, to rely on your own strength and your own ability to help you solve that problem or to rely on somebody else's strength and ability to solve that problem. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to a doctor when you're sick. I'm not saying that when you're having a problem in your marriage that you shouldn't go see a marriage counselor. I'm not saying that when you are attacked for your faith that you shouldn't go and find some sort of refuge and comfort from brothers and sisters in the faith who are, who are struggling with those same things. But what I am saying is that when your thoughts aren't fixed on Jesus, Jesus becomes an afterthought instead of being the first one that you turn to. And I want you to chase that out to its logical conclusion with me. Jesus being an afterthought when you encounter a temptation or a problem. If Jesus isn't the first person that you turn to when you are encountering an issue in this life and you turn to somebody else first, you are saying implicitly that Jesus doesn't care enough or isn't powerful enough or doesn't love you enough to act quickly enough to help you. You are also implicitly saying when you turn to somebody else first, that that person is powerful enough, that that person does care enough, that that person will act more quickly to help you solve your problem. And thirdly, you are also implicitly saying that that person in turning to them first is greater than the Son of God. Do you see what a heap of trouble being spiritually distracted gets us into? It might start out very small. Pretty soon, it turns into a huge mess. And I say all of this speaking from experience speaking as one who has had their life of faith completely turned upside down to a point where I don't even know which way is up. To not even have Jesus be an afterthought when I am encountering a problem. So what I say to you this morning isn't from some holier-than-thou pedestal. I'm saying this as one who empathizes with all of you who have the propensity to be spiritually distracted. And so this morning, I pray that you find a whole lot of comfort, just like I do, in what the writer to the Hebrews says to each one of us this morning. 
to fix our thoughts on Jesus. The, the letter to the Hebrews, it was written to a group of Jewish converts to Christianity who were living in Rome uh, during the spread of the early Christian church. And as the early Christian church continued to grow, so did opposition to Christianity. And these men and women and children who were converts to Christianity were facing all kinds of opposition from every side. First, they were facing it from their own people. Remember, the Jews were a people who didn't see Jesus as the true Messiah, the one who came into the world to, to live and to die for them. And so when one of their own people converted, when one of their own people began to recognize and believe and confess that Jesus is the one who came into the world to save them, save them from their sins, those converts would be ostracized. They'd be cut off from their families and from their communities, and they'd be ridiculed. It was difficult to be a convert to Christianity. But it wasn't just from their own people that they were suffering these things. It was also from the, Roman, the Romans and from their emperor himself. The emperor during the, during, around this time was a man named Nero. Nero was, was sort of insane. Um, and at the completion of this, after this letter was written and sent out, shortly thereafter, Nero opened up a persecution against Christians that's largely been unparalleled in history. The writer to the Hebrews, he is writing to a people who are in danger like us of becoming spiritually distracted, even to a point where they are ready to walk away from their faith altogether. I mean, these people, these Hebrews that the, that the author is writing to, he is, they have stood their ground for a long time. They've gone through persecution after persecution, but this latest round of persecution that they're facing, it's, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like one too much, and it, it seems like it would be easier for them to just totally lose focus, to totally just walk away altogether, to allow themselves to become distracted. And so in writing this letter, what this writer to the Hebrews is doing is he's giving them a super detailed account about why they should fix their thoughts on Jesus. Because not only is he the one who came into the world to live and die for them, to be God's anointed one, but also because he is greater than, stronger than, more powerful than, more loving than anything else or anyone else in this world that we could possibly fix our thoughts on. I mean, listen again to what the, how the writer to the Hebrews starts out chapter 3. He says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and the high priest, for he was faithful to the one who anointed him. I want you to notice how the writer to the Hebrews is addressing each and every one of you. He's not addressing you in a tone of judgment or of, of, uh, of harshness. What he's doing is he's, he's addressing you as you are before God. You are a, a child of God who has been made holy, who has a right standing before God because of what Jesus has done for you. You are a people who share along with him and with me in a heavenly calling, a calling that not only comes from God but leads to God, that you are blood-bought children of God. He starts all of this off to make sure that you are centered in the right way to receive what it is, this encouragement that he is giving you to fix your thoughts, to put your mind down on Jesus the apostle, and the high priest. This is the only time in the New Testament where apostle is used to describe Jesus. Apostle is a term that means one who is sent from God, one who has a commission from God. And so when the writer to the Hebrews describes Jesus as the apostle, he is one speaking on behalf of God. When he speaks, he is speaking for God. He is speaking with all the authority of God. 
In the very opening verses of this letter, the, the author says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in various times and in various ways. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. His point? Jesus is God's final word to you. There is no better revelation. There is no greater word. There is no deeper insight than the very thing that you are hearing. When in the past, God had to use an intercessor, an, inter, an intermediary like a prophet to speak to his sinful people, but that's no longer necessary. Now he speaks to you through his son, the word of God in flesh and blood, who came into this world to be for you and I what we could not. He speaks to us through the one who is God from God, the one who is light from light. He speaks to us through the one who was appointed, who was sent into this world to be for us the high priest. Remember in the Old Testament what the job of the high priest was. The high priest was the one who went before the people of Israel and offered up sacrifices time and again for all of their sins. And he wasn't just a sacrificer. He was the one who had to be the intercessor between sinful mankind and the holy, perfect God. He was the only one who could go into the most holy place of the temple, the place where God's presence dwelt among his people. But there was a problem with the high priests of old. You know what it is? They were sinful. They were people who had to offer sacrifices for themselves time and time and time again. But Jesus is the great high priest who put an end to the need for any other high priest. He was the one who came into this world to offer the perfect sacrifice, to offer the perfect offering once for all and forever. And Jesus didn't just offer up any sacrifice. He offered up, offered up himself in flesh and blood to win for you a forgiveness that lasts. Jesus was sent into this world to be the high priest and, and he stood before his father and he said, I want your death to become my death. I want your sin to become my sin. And in so doing, he freed you from sin and death that haunts every aspect of your life. And this is the one, this is the one that the writer to the Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on him. Concentrate on him in every aspect of your life. Look, we live in a world that has so much going on. We live in a world where there's so much vying for your attention, where there's so much white noise that Satan is trying to use to distract you from the one thing needful, from Jesus Christ, your Lord. But it's for those moments when we are faced with temptation and distraction where the writer to the Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on Jesus because he was faithful to his father. He was faithful to the one who sent him. And when you fix your thoughts on Jesus, this is what your Savior says to you. He says, because I was faithful to my father in carrying out the mission I was sent here for, to live and to die for you for the forgiveness of sins and to open up heaven, that means that I am faithful to every single promise that I have ever made you. That means that when I promise I am near you, that means I am with you, even when I seem far off. I promise you that I hear you even when you don't think that I am listening. I promise you that I am answering your prayers even when it's in a way that you don't think uh, you needed or that you never even asked for. And all of this I do for a singular reason. Because I love you. And I want you to be in heaven with me someday. So when you're faced with distractions and temptations in this life, fix your thoughts 
on Jesus. And when the writer to the Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, he's not just talking about fixing your minds. He's not just talking about thinking about Jesus. He's talking about taking captive every aspect of your life with the Son of God. Your heart and your mind and your soul, your very life, making it captive to Jesus. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus makes, means your whole life is going to be surrounded by Jesus, is going to be filled with Jesus. And I wish I could tell you that, that there was some secret to all of this, that I had some knowledge bomb to give you that, that said, do this and you will never be distracted anymore in your life ever again. But the reality is there isn't. But there is one simple truth that I can give to you that will help you from being distracted. It won't keep you from being distracted because we're sinful, but it will help you from being distracted in this life. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus and to get better at that, it simply means spending time with Jesus. And the one place where Jesus reveals himself, it's not in your feelings or your emotions because those things change like the wind. The one time or the one place where Jesus reveals himself and all of his power and who he is and what he has done for you is in his word. Spend time with Jesus in his word daily. And I can promise you that the more time that you spend with Jesus in his word, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day of the week, the more time you spend with Jesus in his word, the less given to distraction you will be. And the less given to distraction you will be, or you are, the, the less you will give in to temptation. And the less you give in to temptation, the less you will sin. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus helps you not only face temptations, but also the problems that we experience. Because when you spend time with Jesus and you fix your thoughts on Jesus, Jesus is going to be the first one that you turn to in this life when you are faced with a problem. You run to him in prayer and recognize that he is standing before his father, interceding for you. He is hearing every cry for help that you are giving him, and he is, tell and he is answering you. There's no thing in the Bible that says, here's the exact amount of time that you should spend with Jesus and his word, and this will help you fix your thoughts on him better and more. It doesn't work that way because that would turn the blessing of spending time with Jesus into some form of weird legalism, and that's not the way it works. There's no set amount of time that you should spend, but, but I can tell you from life experience, no matter how short that might be, that spending time with Jesus and his word, the more time that you do it, the better off you will be because God promises that in his word, he uses that word to create and to strengthen faith. And that word is the very power of God. And the more time that you spend in the power of God, the more he will enable you to fix your thoughts on Jesus. The more you fix your thoughts on Jesus, the better your walk of faith. That daily learning of, of saying yes to Jesus and to say no to sin, the better that that gets. And this fixing your thoughts on Jesus doesn't just help you in your daily walk of faith. It actually makes every aspect of your life that you live in a world that is broken it actually makes every aspect of your life better and it affects in a very real way those who are around you. And here's why. Because when you fix your thoughts on Jesus, and not just your mind, but your heart and your soul and the entirety of your life, you are making your whole life a living confession of Jesus. And here's how this plays out. When you're in a fight with somebody that you love, and your thoughts are fixed on Jesus, it enables you to see past the, the hate and the anger that distract you and enable you to look at them in love and the kind of love that your Savior shows to you. So husbands, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You'll be, able to, you'll be enabled to love your, 
your wife as Christ loves his bride, the church. Wives, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You will be able to give your husband the kind of honor that he needs. We don't have any children here, but if there were children here, they would if they fix their thoughts on Jesus, they'd be enabled to honor their father and mother just as God calls them to. And parents, fix your, fixing your thoughts on Jesus enables you to love your children just as God, your father, loves you, his child. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus when somebody who has hurt you in a very real way, and I know that all of us have been hurt in, in bigger ways than I can even describe. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus when you are hurt by someone, it enables you to, to let the hurt and the pain go and enable to forgive that person time and time and time again, as much as they need it and as much as you need it. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus enables you to see the world in a whole different light. Because right now, and perhaps we've been made more aware of this than any other time that I've been alive, we live in a world divided. Because we are a people who are sinful, when we interact with people, we tend to see only differences and we play those differences up. And the differences are many, right? got political differences and racial differences and socioeconomic differences and even differences in belief sets. But we see those differences and we let those differences distract us from the one thing that we need to be doing as God's children. And it's tempting to allow these distractions to live and to function in our heart because we think, what difference can one person make? What difference can one person make in a world and in a culture that is torn apart and divided? when you fix your thoughts on Jesus and you walk out into a world that is broken and torn apart and divided, it's like putting on a pair of glasses for the first time and being able to see clearly. Because when your thoughts are filled with Jesus, it enables you to see people as they really are. It enables you to, to look out at the world and see a people who are lost. It enables you to see people who are broken and distracted and have lost focus enables you to see people, see people who need the love that you already know, a love that can only be found in one person. It enables you to see brothers and sisters for whom Jesus was sent into this world. It enables you to see brothers and sisters for whom Jesus, the high priest, sacrificed himself. It enables you to see brothers and sisters who need the forgiveness that Jesus already won for them. When your thoughts are Jesus, and that is the lens at which you look at everyone in this world, you will see a people who need the one thing that your hearts and your lives and your minds and every aspect of your life are already fixed on. You will see a people who need Jesus. Holy brothers and sisters, men and women and children who share in the heavenly calling with me, I pray that God continues to enable you to fix your thoughts on Jesus because he is our source of courage. He is our only boast. He is our sure hope. He is the apostle and our high priest who was sent into this world. I pray that you continue to fix your hearts, your minds, your souls, and your lives on Jesus, because in this world and the next, there is no one greater. There is no one who will, there is no one better than him, and he will never let you down. God grant that. Amen.